Joel, mm-hmm. did you see the uh, Tucker Putin interview like millions of other people? Uh, you know, I did, Ian, and I think uh, again, as we're sort of sort of starting to get loaded the space, I did go into it with an open mind and. I did actually see it because there was a lot of people in the community that went like, oh, I'm never going to see this, but I'm going to form an opinion about it. So that mm, was weird. Mm, mm. I put a poll out about two hours before the actual um, mm-hmm. interview was due to go out. And I was like, oh, um, Bitcoiners, are you going to watch the Tucker thing? And I think majority of people said, yeah, they will uh, because they're pro Tucker. Mm-hmm. So that's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, mate, it, it made me think of a question. What is a journalist? It's a very good question. Um, I think there are different answers compared to different um, times and different forms of journalism, I would say. But in the, in, the, in the simplest of terms, to me, a journalist is someone that is actually the fourth wall between the everyday citizens that need to make an informed information about their uh, electorate and how they want to vote or how they want to live their lives and the the narratives that are being pushed. And to me, it has always been clear, I'm not like the truth teller as a journalist. I'm here to report the facts I've been giving, ideally in a balanced view. Because let's face it, all of us have biases. Uh, I mean, we live in the Western world, we have Western bias. If someone lives in Africa or Asia, they have different biases. Um, And this is sort of my definition. It's showing the events that happened in a as balanced view as possible without trying to influence uh, their readers or their viewers or or generally their audience. But apparently journalism has turned into either being a clickbaity guy, being against or pro everything just for the sake of it. Um, Or heck, I mean, in the midst of the mainstream media, just being mostly a pro-state outlet, which is fine in its own terms. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I think there are definitely cases where you can say like, okay, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I mean, things like, you know, uh, I don't know. Should we should we kill people? Yes or no? I kind of go like, well, maybe not a good idea. If that's the start, if that's against the establishment, that's maybe a good idea. If not, you know, the other way around. But yeah, that's my definition of of journalism. And I mean, mm. why should you be anything else, right? Yeah, mate. We're in a weird place in the world at the moment um, because obviously, legacy media has been co opted by centralized narratives, and it's funded by uh, organizations that have an agenda and um, a narrative that they try to sort of push as propaganda. And uh, then this topic of independent media comes up as well. And I want to explore that a little bit because obviously journalism, as you're quite right, in the sense that it's providing and as much of an objective view on the issue that is being reported as possible for people to make up their own mind. And of course, the journalists themselves will have their own inbuilt biases and, and uh, allegiances, I suppose, as a human being on this planet and not, you know, some sort of like non-feeling machine. But at the end of the day, yes, the job of a journalist is to gather as much information as possible and to present it to the public right to make their own informed decisions and in a way it reminds me of um, investigating a crime right you're 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 investigating for well you're you're investigating the the issue trying to find things that can prove and or disprove the thing that you're investigating right and then come to sort of like um, as much evidence gathering as possible to come to as a informed decision as possible in any given circumstance and um the question of independent media, and I hear a lot of people saying about uh, independent media is, you know, going to sort of like 
well, legacy media is dead ultimately. And but I agree. I think a lot of people are now becoming more distrustful of legacy media, right? And and the the narratives. I think I think it's getting out there that maybe they're not actually um, presenting things in the way a journalist should. But it poses the question: When does an independent journalist stop becoming an independent journalist? And what I mean by that is, yeah, obviously, legacy media is funded by. <laughs> organizations the the state and all that kind of stuff and therefore they can't have fully objective um views right and they're presenting things to protect the funding that they're getting from these organizations etc but if you take tucker colson for example mm -hmm. and anyone that's easily triggered and offended and a tucker fanboy like get over yourselves because this is my opinion and my view and like you've mm -hmm. got your own and make your own bloody podcast i don't give a shit but at the end of the day um you know that's the new tagline of rabbit hole story yeah <laughs> <sighs> mate ugh, some people are so fucking fragile <laughs> anyway <laughs> what i'm trying to say is that yeah uh tucker colson ex fox news um anchor whatever you want to call him wanker anchor whatever but at the end of the day yeah he's set up on his own and he's obviously doing quite well he's interviewing a lot of other people that you know don't otherwise get interviewed obviously putin is one of them and when does he stop becoming an independent journalist who's funding him privately and where's that money coming from and when does that sort of line get drawn? And I'm just wondering if you've got any thoughts on that. I think I've got two thoughts. So the first is, uh, I mean, I kind of dig Tucker because he showed the middle finger to like the most corrupt media establishment there is. And that is the Murdoch empire. Yeah. For anyone living in the UK, you know what the Murdochs do if they spy on their own people. And, you know, they're very much involved in like tax evasions. Um, mm. Depending how you look at things, it could be a good or a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> let's just leave it there. But um, yeah, just to, in my opinion, one of the worst business people next to like the Maxwells in the world to just take advantage of their co-workers' pensions and shit. Um, so he kind of showed the middle finger there and went like, you know, I'm tired of this because he was the front news desk anchor. And credit where credit is due, that takes a lot of steps. But then again, he had the audience. He knew mm -hmm, if I would mm -hmm, leave mm -hmm. now, people will follow mm -hmm. me. So that makes life easier. So... From that perspective, a pure independent journalist for me is someone who does build out on his own. Um, yes, someone can work in the, in the um, mainstream media and they can basically leave and start their own publication. Like um, Glenn Greenwald did that, for example. Um, you then have people like uh, um, uh, uh, Barry Weiss, for example, who worked at the New York Times and she also does this. But they all bring their audience with me. And independent journalism for me is someone that built it from the ground up. That is a lot of hard work. Um, and that can be something as simple as building a newsletter, reporting on a certain fact or topic, mm -hmm. starting to build that audience, and at one point being able to live off that audience independently, because it's not the advertisers that are paying you, it's the subscriptions you take in. Having said that though, if you have audience capture, uh, like one of the most known um, names probably in the space that talks about this is Peter McCormack because he has actually also said like I have audience capture I did certainly release stuff because I knew it would um, trigger the right people or, or um, end up in the right response and this moves into my second thing with media uh, independent media sorry if you really start to build from the ground up and you make it you're independent you don't have a think tank paying mm. you you're not getting funded like NPR some of these channels by state money um, 
at what point do you stay independent also from your audience? Because that is one of the hardest things to do. We do this experiment now and we're starting to like it more and more. We are more in front with our own opinions. We, we, we will continue inviting guests on, but also with the guests, we will change the format up a bit where we are less... Um, tied to the audience capture we've been having as well, Ian, because it's easy. We know what we need to say in the Bitcoin audience to get the likes, to get the clicks, but this is not beneficial because you're smelling your own fart at this <laughs> point. Uh, and so for me, this is sort of my definition of independent media is you start from the ground up. It's a grassroots movement, if you want to say so. You're independent from advertisers. Ideally, you don't have any advertisers. You just have people who donate or, or, or pay a subscription to you. But then I think being independent from your audience is probably the hardest thing. And honestly, I think impossible to do because you're always going to wind up people. Like we said in the, my snowflake comment earlier, right? Um, there's always something in there where you go, shit, um, there are definitely parts to that system that draw you back in. And with Tucker, you know, good on him that he's able to do it on X, but what if like X censors him? Does he then have his own audience elsewhere, you know? So this is also not really independent. You're relying on one party or one platform. Mm. So these are sort of the thoughts that go above my head, but I think we'll get to an answer during this episode. Yeah. Uh, like, like Joel said, we, you know, we, we've decided during our chat and it was like, yeah, we're rabbit hole stories. And we started off with the intention of um, inviting people on, um, asking them what their rabbit hole story is. And the whole ethos of the show is, um, how did you, or when did you discover Bitcoin? Why is it uh, that you stayed and what you're doing now? And it's great. Um, I love talking to people about that and I can talk about it all day long, but I think um, what you need to try and do if you're a content creator, which I think we have qualified to uh, say that we are right in this space now, we have to sort of look towards um, what is getting um, interactions and engagement and growth, right? And you've got to sort of in interpret that as an interest from people and sort of like try and try new ideas, new formats to see what people engage with. And I think, you know, you make a good point with Tucker coming from the legacy media with a pre built in fan base, if you like, or a set of followers. And that brings into question um, how independent he might be reporting moving forward, because he might have the motivation to retain those um, listeners or um, people that, you know, are uh, like minded with him, but also try and bring in other new voices and perspectives in the space as well and i guess it's it's kind of difficult holding those two uh things together right and make starting with you know grassroots and sort of finding your own feet i think is definitely something that's hard and you know i think you and i can be testament to that you know it takes a lot of time and commitment and um a lot of sort of um rebuttals and feedback and stuff like that that you have to sort of like still sort of hold your own opinions and um you know have that integrity of your own self and a lot of people have been giving peter mccormack quite a hard time with his views around all this and you know he, he's, he's one to sort of definitely trigger uh people in the space right and it makes me think about what engagement farming is uh, literally if you put a post out on x or on nostar or anywhere on social media 
every single post technically is an engagement farm, right? Because you're hoping for some sort of likes or comments, whether or not it's something innocuous or, you know, innocent, whether it's a bloody uh, short video of a cat or whether you're actually writing a full political piece, you're actually putting it out there in a public space for it to, you know, get some engagement. And it brings into question whether, you know, it's appropriate to uh, put clickbaity titles out there and you know is it more better to be more earnest and honest but then you're fighting against all the other clickbaity stuff that is getting the engagement and stuff like that so it's kind of a difficult balance to try and find your little niche but also not go too far and being sensationalist and over the top with your narrative just to sort of drive people's low uh, so engage with people's now low retention span, right? Uh, so it's a difficult one. It's a difficult balance. Yeah, 100%. And you know, I mean, we're all human at the end of the day. Um, do I expect if I see someone like Tucker Carlson to be fully objective? No, no because that's impossible. Like you can't do this. And this is kind of my, this is my attack on the against Tucker people. And these are really also friends I've seen posting stuff like yesterday before the interview went live going like, ah, oh, you know, again, these things. And I, I went, have you seen the interview? Like, wait until you can actually make up your mind about yeah, the information yeah, yeah. you've been given. And then on the other end, the same applies to the people that are super pro because you can be sort of blinded in your yeah. approach. I think everything in life has a balance and it's up to you to find on which side of the balance you're on. And like, yeah, you've heard before Ian say he's not he's not particularly uh, um, keen on Tucker. I kind of dig a lot of the journalistic stuff he does. And guys, before anyone comments, Tucker is a fucking journalist. <laughs> he worked 25 years in TV anchoring. Before that, he was, I think, 10 years at the newspaper and magazines. Mm. Like, even if it's mainstream media stuff, come on, this is stuff. Um, this uh, the oh shit, <laughs> Ian, Ian had a, he had to throw a tantrum because I just said that. No, um, the guy worked in the media landscape, so in my book, he did what other journalists did day in day out. Um, but we're doing the same thing if we're Bitcoiners. If you've been in Bitcoin for ten years and you're still tweeting up the same hopium stuff. Are you really better than a Tucker Carlson who's been working the same time in journalism? Right. So I think these are the minds I've been having, at the uh, thoughts I've been having on my mind. Sorry. Um, and yeah, at this point, I kind of go, okay, if he's really balanced now, Tucker, that being, he should actually ask for an interview with Biden in the White House. I don't, it's not been verified. I've read that his producers reached out and tried to get an interview. And I think obviously with Tucker's political views, he would get denied that fact in the White House. But, you know, if like Biden wants to be the bigger man now compared to Putin, that would actually be the right thing to get on that interview. So I think mm. unless yeah. these things don't happen, um, it's very unhealthy to always go into assumptions, but it is definitely a, uh, a tricky thing. And what I also loved about the mainstream media with this interview is I read it two, three hours ago. The Financial Times put out a title. Um, Tucker is Putin's <laughs> puppet because they both refuse gay rights in their interview. And sort of everyone in the comment went, okay, we oh, do know God. that they both do this, but they've not talked about gay rights in that two-hour interview at all. I think at one point Tucker maybe mentioned that, okay, LGBTQ rights are a bit different in Russia than to us in the US, but that's a different topic. Mm. And then he moved on. And then I kind of went like, okay, is there mainstream media really missing a golden opportunity for them to say... Um, 
you know, this is a different approach. Let's also try this because um, I think MSNBC did this a couple of years ago where they interviewed like Alex Jones. They also interviewed Putin. So there always has this approach been by media. But to them, I think it's easier to fall back on that legacy mindset. And I unfortunately see a lot of the same stuff in the um, Bitcoin community or just generally speaking in the whole content creator um, community because I've also seen same takes in, in different, um, different uh, communities or ecosystems. One of the things um, I think some criticisms I've come across with this whole Putin Tucker thing was um, Tucker allowing him to go on for the best part of 30, 40 minutes on this monologue about Russian history. Mm -hmm. And um, I've got, you know, uh, different, I, I can see all the different perspectives, I think, in the sense that, yes, I understand as a journalist, when you're interviewing somebody with some sort of uh, investigative questions that you might have for them, um, particularly when there's a time limit involved in an interview, which didn't seem to be nope, one nope. during this one, because it was just sort of like no time limit. I think he made that clear at the beginning exactly, of the exactly, yeah. uh, interview. But, you know, people saying, oh, he didn't get hold, he, he wasn't um, in control of the interview in that sense. And um, people were saying, oh, you know, a trained KGB officer, you know, he, he's, he knows the tricks of trying to put smoke and mirrors out there. But so does the fucking West and the Americans yeah. and everyone else. It's the same fiat political bullshit that is gets drummed in. It's smoke and mirrors, it's distraction, it's fiat, um, it's fiat political uh, propaganda and uh, smokescreen narratives, right? And um, what I found interesting actually reflecting on it is the other perspective of the fact that it's not often that Russia mm -hmm. or Putin gets the opportunity to get heard by Western ears. Yep. And it will be prudent of him to try and make as much time as possible to uh, lay out as much as he sees the history mm -hmm. of Russia. Mm -hmm. So people that the millions of people that have now watched this interview can sort of see a little bit of the um, perspective from the East or Russia mm -hmm. and their history and, and maybe sort of like scratch behind the surface a little bit of the narratives that we've been given in the West, right? So, you know, I think that was useful. Yes. And, you know, when I saw this, um, so I listened to the interview a couple of, like the 10, 15 first minutes I listened to it because I think I was on my way um, to the city, to a coffee shop or something. And then I watched it. So like working, you know, listening and sometimes watching over to the phone. And I remember talking, sitting there in that particular time frame. And I mean, Putin went back to like the 8th century or something. And then the 30th, <laughs> yeah, he like he gave back. the whole perspective. Yeah. Like I went back, Mate, holy shit. It, it, reminded, it reminded me of something similar to how a Bitcoiner might be orange pinning <laughs> somebody. This is the history of money. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how hard it is to orange pill somebody. You know, I was kind of like, it's refreshing to see a president of a country actually remembering the words he says. That's a slight dick, obviously, at the Americans. Mm. <laughs> um, but then I kind of went, okay, Tucker waited for him to finish the history thing and went, but why did it, is that reason enough for you to attack another country? Fully mm -hmm. legitimate question. And yeah. he was also very much aware, like, oh, but wasn't that the other way around with like in, yeah. in the Western world, we see this and that. And this was the benefit, I think, from that interview for me going like, holy shit, first of all, I know nothing about um, Eastern, Eastern European, mm. East Asian history. Um, and secondly, you know, if we look at history, it's always been taught from the winner's perspective, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't categorize Russia as a winner in any historical context. Um, there's always been a push up, ended up in a dictatorship, and then a fall down, and sort of it always repeated itself. Um, 
And if you then take in this consideration, you kind of go, okay, interesting. There might be something to this. Again, does it legitimize what he's done? Probably not. Um, but then again, maybe if we would grown up in Russia, we would sit there and go like, yeah, it legitimizes it. Because you can't really walk that person's other mile in their shoes unless you've actually experienced these kind of things. And this is where I went, I think, down a small rabbit hole in the interview. And I realized we're all being so much shaped by our influences in life, the way mm -hmm. we've been brought up in these things. Yes. It's very hard to stay objective there and to not fall into either camp or either side or whatever you want to call it. Um, unless you are, I think, an emotionlessness robot or something. Uh, because otherwise you do have some sympathetic um, and some enthusiasm for other things which others just don't so this was sort of my learning out of the interview would i agree with everything that's being done is good absolutely not do i understand some of the arguments that have been made of course i do because at the end of the day um you know there's a difference for everything but does it legitimize um that this was like the best interview or something of the century? I don't think so. Um, there are definitely others out there. Um, to be honest, even interviews by Tucker that were better, um, which would definitely be put into that category. But it sort of opens up your mind to think, interesting, where does winning and losing come from? And what is actually really being taught, even if we think about history of money, right? Absolutely. And mate, I've, I've banged on about it enough in this podcast that I'm bored of it, right? You go down a rabbit hole, you get Bitcoin and you've got a need, you need to be as open-minded as possible and actually question all the narratives that you've been uh, presented with all your life, right? And this is a perfect example of it, right? We've got a different perspective, a new, fresh perspective from another person in Russia who's talking about the history of Russia in the East and all this kind of stuff, which is a different narrative from what we might have heard at, uh, over in the West. Is any of it fucking true? Mate, I don't know. What is truth at the end of the day? You, you make a good point in the fact that history is written um, through the lens of the victors, right? And the people in control of the narratives. And, you know, we are just trying to sort of get through life and make sense of it as best we can with the information we're presented with. And it's not easy, mate, to unpick where the truth li lies within all of that, right? Because at the end of the day, you've got broken money, you've got politicians that are trying to um, uh, consolidate um, and build wealth and power. And in that, they're going to sell you a fucking donkey and, and, and uh, just, you know, keep with the bullshit just so you can keep calm carry on get off to work pay for the shit that they uh, get for free and um you know it's difficult to unpack where the truth is in that and there is no real fundamental truth in anything yes you can argue bitcoin is the definition of truth because one tries to do another and i've heard this before as well but mate truth is never gonna actually become something that we can actually define properly with you know i can try and be as objective as i want to be or, or try to be but that's never going to happen i'm never going to not be biased in my mindset and my views and we need to get on uh into understanding that about ourselves and each other and mate the amount of people that are in the bitcoin uh, x space that hold on to this legacy mindset um with you know with dear life and i'm like mate just at least try and take on other perspectives and just stop digging your heels in so hard that it's becoming difficult for other people to engage with you because you know why the <laughs> hell are you want here in the first place you know what i mean
And you know what I sort of miss sometimes? And this goes much broader than this interview now. Where are the grown-ups in this <sighs> in this community? God. And I mean not like, you know, we have um sub we have teenagers of shit on but like the best example I can give you is um, at my day job, sometimes I get an email like, why is your app, for example, closed source? Bitcoin should be open source. And I kind of went, I fully understand what you mean, but please look at this from a business perspective. If we open source the app and at the end of the day, Relay is a company for profit, that is the goal. This is how we are going to pay salaries and offer a service so people can stack sats. Um there is a much more riskier business decision if we open source and someone takes that code and makes their own app. Mm. Granted, they have to do the same amount of marketing, the same amount of proof of work, right? They're not getting a shortcut. But as a business, it's more riskier to open source than to be in closed source. Um, and I think this is if you just work in an everyday job, um, you know about stuff like competitor's advantage, first mover's advantage. These are just things you do. But then also stuff like with this interview now in the community where I go for 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 fuck's sake like please watch the interview first make up your mind you don't have to agree with everything that's being said but take the learnings out of it if you learn something every day from whatever you do i'm under the impression that you will have lived a very fulfilling life because you actually did something right if you just go through life you're trying to shout the same stuff mm -hmm. you still believe the same things after a while i can't imagine how you can be happy there because you don't have any progress in your life so this is sometimes really something i miss in the bitcoin community and um, generally speaking maybe in a lot of these online communities as well so this is where i then kind of go like see um i mean we then see who are the grown-ups and who are not so this is again mm. a benefit mm. with these events but yeah this is definitely where i go like fuck where are the grown-ups the grown-ups are you out there where are you <laughs> let us know if you're out there because yeah you're right absolutely mate um it's just so many um bicker there's so much bickering going on and i understand there is room for bickering and stuff like that and you know <sighs> social media i'm going back to the whole bloody uh going to for the plot episode here again but at the end of the day you know social media is there designed to sort of get you trapped in this sort of like engagement right and uh, we should really elevate ourselves into that and actually seek out these different perspectives right and um yeah it's just a lot of silliness out there mate and uh it's frustrating but i think this is what you and i are trying to now do is sort of um, create content that is talking about this stuff and point it out there and may maybe start the conversation that the adults can join in with, right? And engage with us about. So yeah, let's see, mate, we'll see. <laughs> And I mean, uh, speak, uh, speaking of that, like we also seen some, you know, reactions like to your sailor video, for example, where someone commented <laughs> yeah. like, oh, how dare you Feedback um, is attack welcome. the mighty you might sailor. You get a semi-sarcastic uh, response. But yeah, but that's, that's, a, that's a character. You have whatever. to live with that. Like, come on, that's funny. Um, I think they know if we would, if they would tell this to us in, in, in real life, like we wouldn't punch, you wouldn't slap you. We would actually have a laugh yeah. as well and, and take it in. And also today, I've also got a feedback about the latest newsletter I've written. I kind of went through it and went like, shit, this is subpar. Like this was a shitty mm. uh, work you've mm. done. So what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to work on that a bit, see if I could do improve this and that. And, you know, you start learning and you start developing. Um, so even for the listeners, if you don't agree with our viewpoints, great. That is the idea. Why yeah. are we doing this? We want you to start thinking about these things. But as Ian said, 
go into it with an open mind, go into it with curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's not for nothing that we stay, stay curious mm -hmm. at the end mm -hmm. of each mm -hmm. episode. Um, because this is what you need to do and you need to find out ways to, I think, deal with this stuff because a lot of it is uh, propaganda, as Ian said. A lot of it is engagement farming in our community. And at the end of the day, please bear in mind, guys, these are still all people working for these large institutions. Putin is a politician, uh, Biden, Trump, Obama, insert whoever you want, they are politicians. And I think it's safe to say after all the experiences we've had with politicians for the last thousands of years, going back to the Roman Empire and stuff, they're just not to be trusted. There's a reason why people mistrust politicians mm, that much. Mm. Um, and you should always take everything they say with a grain of salt. You should find uh, the learnings you could take and you should really let it be if there are these childish discussions because they're not going to actually improve your life at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And lastly, before we round up the episode on the feedback thing, there's feedback and there's just... Um wasting your time with being a snowflake and crying through the words that you inarticulately display um, on the bottom of a video, right? Feed feedback looks like something, you know, with a different perspective maybe, or, you know, uh, I'm disappointed mm -hmm. this didn't happen. This, uh, but like just sh throwing shit is, is not really feedback as such. We will respond to it and all feedback is welcome. But yeah, there's a distinction between feedback and just shit throwing. But hey, do what you want to do, right? You're an adult or are you, or are you a spy? <laughs> 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 KGB spy. Um, no, I mean, at the end of the day, if people um, take up time out of their day to write such shitty comments, of course we're going to be sneaky in our answer. Like, who would it's be? Fun, this is the mate. open I mean, invitation at this point. Yeah. If you really uh, we're yeah, also trolling, on. guys. Let's, we're human. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a being said. Look at it. If you don't have any learnings, then either criticize that or then start asking yourself, hmm. Am I maybe too close-minded? Do I don't see the bigger picture there? And if you're not, and this is the, the inevitable outcome of your learning or, or, or your time spent uh, watching this video or content or whatever, mm, that's mm. also good. Like then you realize like, oh shit, this is actually not beneficial to me. I might sub unsubscribe or I might uh, yeah. subscribe depending on which offended. side of the um, um, argument you're coming from. So, you know, hey, you take it you, as bro. it is and you. try to improve these things. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good ending. <laughs> and stay curious.